All right. Well, good morning. Welcome to Quest. If you are visiting here, uh, we're glad you have come to a, uh, a community that uh, proclaims God and proclaims the Word of God. And Ross, it's uh, I get it if you have to leave. And from the bottom of my heart, I I, uh, I could not be more offended. No, I'm just I'm teasing. Um, I, I have uh, enjoyed getting to meet a lot of your uh, congregation this morning at your earlier service, and this uh, this should be fun as well. Uh, by way of introduction, my name is Todd Garman. I live out in Granville. I'm uh, married. I have a wife and four awesome kids, uh, 11, 9. Uh, one of my dudes just turned 6 on Friday, went to Chuck E. Cheese. It was quite excellent. And uh, then I have a little 6-month-old who is currently over there. And if she uh, makes noise and cries, don't worry. It's just because she is uh, heavily sinful. So if we have to remove her, hey, listen, she's going to learn it one way or the other. If we have to remove her, uh, we are willing to do so. Uh, listen, uh, this morning, uh, we're going to talk about uh, this this uh, topic of sex. And then Ross said, hey, listen, we're doing a, a series on relationships, and would you mind coming and talking about sex? Which, in my mind, seems like, hey, we're going to, we'd like to maybe consider learning to fly and plopping you right into the cockpit of an F-16 and being like, okay, off you go, um, when we talk about sex and relationships first. But that's where we're going to go, and uh, for sure... We live in a culture that is absolutely saturated with sex, and I would suggest, and I'm sure you would, many of you would agree, that the culture has largely polluted uh, God's design for sex and that we're so far off of what God's design for sex is that a lot of us wouldn't even consider that sex is something that is to be sacred. And so this morning we're going to ask the question, is sex sacred? Is it sacred? Does God have a design and a purpose for sex? Or is it something he's just left to us to wield willy-nilly as we like it? Uh, In my role as a youth pastor and on the pastoral staff over at Vineyard Grace Fellowship, uh, and also in my counseling, I predominantly uh, discuss and count... There she goes. Right off to the lake of fire. Enjoy it. Tell Hitler we said hello. I'm kidding. Look at that little punum. Okay. Um, uh, in my counseling and in my in a lot of the counseling I do, I predominantly deal with and counsel men who have watched their lives circle the drain, if not get totally flushed because of sexual brokenness. Adolescents, uh, young marrieds, folks that are in their 50s and 60s that are still struggling. Um, that is the majority of what I do. And the reason I do is because, unfortunately... Uh, I am somewhat of an expert on sexual brokenness. Uh, my own life is a uh, just a hit list of deviant sexual behavior that uh, got me into a ton of trouble, um, almost ended my marriage, certainly caused me to lose uh, a job or two along the way, um, and I will get into that in a little bit. But for sure, the reason that I am standing here is not because I am some guy that has it all together, um, but rather because I have trodden a path of destruction. I have walked a path of uh, sexual irresponsibility, to say the least, and have absolutely dishonored God and dishonored my family in how I have handled the gift of sex. And uh, God had to do a lot of work with me, and part of that uh, brings me here. That's why I end up doing what I do, because uh, I just know it very well. Um, 
Certainly, as we look at our culture, it's, it's for sure no surprise to you when I suggest that our culture is absolutely saturated with sex. How many of you watched the Super Bowl recently? Anybody? Two people. Oh, a bunch of you. Okay, good. Uh, I went into a high school recently. I do a, a Bible study with a, uh, a high school in the area. And uh, we were talking about what is our, if, if we were just an alien that had landed, what would you suggest that our culture valued after watching the Super Bowl and its commercials? And the top three were celebrities, sex, and money. And I would say, yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, nowhere was it more um, clearly displayed than as we watched the Super Bowl and the various commercials. Um, for sure, the epidemic of pornography is um, it's ridiculous right now. The, the pornography industry is the largest business in the United States today. In fact, revenues from the pornography industry are more than the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, and the NHL combined pornography. Uh, most of the advances, if not all of them, in computer technology have come uh, thanks to the pornography industry. Face-to-face, -face, that iPhone 4, hey, look, video chatting, pornography started that. Uh, IMing, instant messaging, texting, pornography started that. Um, linking computers, linking networks, pornography. The pornography industry piloted all those advancements. Pornography is a ridiculous industry in our country, and I'll tell you right now, it is the weapon of the enemy eroding the character integrity of men and families in this country today. There is no greater one. We're going to talk about it a little more. Um, folks that aren't married having sex, a lot of kids having premarital sex. Uh, the premarital sex statistics are higher than they've ever been among high school people and college people. Uh, certainly a lot of you in this room have been victims of uh, sexual abuse. Sex is out of control in this country, and many of us have perpetrated uh, sexual crimes on others or have used sex to our own ends. And certainly some of us in this room have been victims, have been victimized by sex, and it is a tragic, tragic thing. Um, our own city of Akron, Ohio, is one of the nation's leading importers uh, in the sex trafficking. That's something we can be really proud of. In Ohio, uh, the most, uh, one of the largest sex trafficked cities is Akron, where we bring in a lot of young Russian girls um, and sell them into sex slavery. Um, marriages are falling apart at record rates. Divorce rates in the culture are 52%, 52. Um, illicit sexual affairs going on in marriages rampantly. Many of you in this room have either had or suffered from the effects of illicit affairs. Um, whether uh, uh, Even if it's not uh, sex before marriage, it's sex after marriage. Our singles, divorced, widows, widowers, just out having sex. Um, certainly our, our uh, media is filled with sex. Here's a recent statistic that I just heard from one of the high schools in this very area, not the one... I was talking about before, but a different one that is representative of high schools in this area. They just did a blood drive. 19% of the blood was thrown out because it was contaminated by either drugs or STDs. 19% in a high school in our area. So if we are going to go around and say, oh, not our area, not our town. No, no, we live in New Albany. We live in Granville. It's all nice. And... No, it's not. It's the same. And here, I'll take it one step further. The church, the statistics in the church, guess what? They're the same. They're the same. We got churches uh, closing their doors. We got people in the church falling and struggling in this area of sex in the same with the same rates as in the secular community. 
Uh, pastors recently polled, 74% suggested, said, responded positively that in the past year they have viewed Internet pornography and not just to do research, uh, not just to prepare a sermon. No, they were viewing it out of selfishness. Um, that's pastors. A little under 40% admitted that they had had an inappropriate sexual or emotional affair. These are the pastors in our country of which I am one, of which Ross is one, of which Jeremy is one. We have pastors at this church. And if uh, pastors are admitting, yes, we have struggled with sexual sin, then we know for sure that within the body of Christ there is struggle with sexual sin. Uh, we're going to talk about this this morning. Let me pray first, and then I'll share a little bit about myself, and then we'll get cracking and see what is God's purpose for sex. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do thank you, God. We thank you for uh, the gift of sex. We thank you for um, the privilege of being married and the gift of our spouses. And for those of us that are unmarried or desire to be married, we thank you, God, that you know the desires of our heart. Lord, I, I come before you on behalf of this body and with this body. Lord, we know, we know that our attitudes Toward sex, our, our sexual behaviors are way out of line with your purposes and desires for sex. Lord, I pray that this morning there would be conviction, information, and opportunities for transformation with each one of us. That we would uh, hold our sexual behavior up against the light of your truth and your word. And uh, if we are found wanting, that we would endeavor to change and become more like you. We love you, Jesus, and we pray in your name. Amen. Um, some of you may be thinking, geez, you know, uh, I find it a little bit offensive that we're talking about sex in church. The last place I thought I'd hear about sex. Um, to those of you that would feel that way, I, I understand if it's a topic that you're not comfortable with and you'd like to roll out like Ross did, big chicken. I'm just kidding. Uh, you're, you're welcome. You're welcome to. Or, on the other hand, if there are people that you know you would like to be in here, like high school kids, eh, uh, go get them. Get them in here, because I don't care. I'll talk to them. It's awesome. Um, text them. Isn't that how we communicate with young people, with our thumbs these days? Hooray! Doesn't work in here? No signal. You were trying, though. <laughs> He's like, I was just looking at YouTube. This is a really funny video of a guy getting hit with a ball. <laughs> All right. Listen, uh, sex is a, very, is a topic that's not normally covered in church. However, to those of you that suggest, geez, I'm not really comfortable talking about ch church, sex in church, I would suggest that you haven't been paying attention to your word. You have not been paying attention from Genesis to Revelation. Through and through this book, God speaks very explicitly about sex. He doesn't just glance off at like, uh, sex. No, he talks very clearly, very explicitly, very directly and completely about this issue of sex. Okay? You understand? From Genesis to Revelation, you go through. There's a book that's specifically about sex, Song of Songs. Many of you have read it. Um, which is to say this. God has a purpose and a design for sex. The problem is we have gotten way away from God's purpose and design for sex, even in the church. This morning we're going to talk about God's purposes and design for sex. A little note about myself. Um, I grew up on the East Coast, went to school uh, at Boston College, met my wife who I just pointed to an empty chair. She's invisible. She has the power of invisibility, which is what attracted me at first. Although don't ask me, don't ask me how I saw her. <laughs> it's really fun at parties though. Um, she's walking around with my sinful baby. Uh, 
the first uh, two years of our marriage, we've been married about 13 years. The first two years of my marriage were an absolute train wreck uh, because I had nursed a, a pornography addiction since I was in middle school um, and had uh, begun having illicit relationships with people that were not my girlfriends. I brought that pattern into my marriage, and within six months I was having an affair with the senior pastor's wife at a church where I was working in Connecticut. The air just got sucked out of the room. That's a good thing. Listen, you are looking at someone who has trodden well the path of sexual brokenness. you understand? I'm not here. I don't counsel. I don't work in a church because I'm so much better than everyone else in this area. I work here because, unfortunately, I have an expertise that I have gathered from my own sin, my own path of destruction. You understand me? Now listen, the first two years of my marriage were a train wreck, running in and out, running in and out, um, with Nikki, not with Nikki, with Nikki, not with Nikki, until finally she said, I'm done, we're, we're done, and left, and she came out to Ohio and drug at that point our two children with her who were very little, right? Now at that point, God said, hey, you got a problem. You got a problem. Are you ready to deal with it yet? Understand? I had no friends, no church, no job, no family, nothing. And he brought me to this place in uh, Columbus, Ohio, and said, Are you ready for me to deal with you yet? And it wasn't until my life had been totally broken, totally destroyed, totally flattened by my own irresponsibility with sex before I was ready to say, I, I need you. I give up. I, I, don't, I can't make my way through this. Now, the reason I'm here today... The reason I do what I do is to try and keep people from getting where I was. But if you get where I was, good for you because you're going to meet the Lord. But there's an easier way to do it. The easier way to do it is not through the path of destruction. The either way is to go, ooh, I see where that path goes. I'm going to go over here. And that's why I do what I do. You're looking at an adulterer. If you have a problem with adulterers, you're going to have a very difficult time in heaven. If you have a problem with sinners, you're going to have a very difficult time in heaven. And I don't say that to be cavalier. I don't say that to make little or light of my sin. I do say that to suggest that while I am also someone that has adultery in my past, you are also looking at a walking, breathing, living piece of grace. You are looking at God's grace and redemption and restoration in the life of an individual. And let me tell you, there is nothing special about me. Nothing. Only that I was totally broken and at that point totally willing and gave up. I said, God, i I got to have you first. And he said, okay, that's, that's what I'm waiting for. I'll work with that. Now, how is it with you this morning? Are there areas in your sexual life where you know, oh, brother, it's getting a little out of hand. I don't speak. I don't, I'm not here today because I'm some holier-than-thou you know, guy that's just read this out of a book. No, this is my life. And it's unfortunate. But God makes true on his promises. No, no, no. What, God, what the enemy intended for evil, I will use for good. And thanks be to God, isn't it? Thanks be to God. Listen, what are God's purposes for sex? There's an anagram, grace, G-R-A-C-E. Each one of these corresponds to one of God's purposes for sex. Let's start with G. Do you know that sex is good? Do you know that sex was designed to be good? Do you know that? That God showed a little bit of His goodness in the gift of sex. God wanted sex as a picture of His goodness. In fact, he designed it for this reason. Many of you that are married, how many of you are married? Raise your hands. Wives, don't deny your husbands. Okay, good. All right, listen. 
For this reason, a man shall leave his mother and father and be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. One flesh. Do you know God's intention was that husband and wife would become one flesh? God's intention was that a man and his wife would have sex. Isn't that great? That was God's plan. Now listen. Two shall become one flesh. That's the, that's the ideal. And it's not just physically. He's not just talking about physically. He's talking about one. Would become one emotionally, spiritually, mentally. What, some sort of symbiote being? No. But that we would become one in purpose, in design. The big O of sex. Now listen. The big O of sex, and I can be more explicit if you want, is not what you think. That is not the purpose of sex. The purpose of sex is oneness. That is the big O of sex. It's not, I'm going to get mine, she's going to get hurt. No. Wives and husbands, that is not the purpose of sex. The purpose of sex is not the stimulation of my nerve endings. It is not. The purpose of sex is that we would become one together, one flesh. That was God's original design. Isn't it good that that uh, God designed sex and said, this is, this is a picture of my goodness. It's a picture of my goodness to you. Are here's a no-brainer. Sex was designed in purpose for reproduction. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, God, God designed sex that this is how we are to reproduce children. We don't like drop a seed in the soil and wait. I'm going to water it. Hey, I'm going to pluck him off the branch. That's not how we do it. God designed sex to, for reproduction. And believe me, reproduction happens. This is one of the reasons why God does not support premarital sex or uh, sex out of marriage. This is the problem because, hey, guess what? You've all been to seventh grade science class. Babies happen. Listen, um, there there isn't an animal that enjoys sex or that has sex for pleasure. There there aren't. Animals don't do that. Um, If you would like to... uh, uh, if, you, if you're wondering how to teach your kids about sex, here's a good, just take them to a pet store. Um, I went to a pet store recently and I was like shocked by the sexual immorality among guinea pigs. <laughs> was shocked, shocked, it was shocking. We went in, there was a big glass case and listen, this is what the uh, geniuses over at Petland did. They put nine rabbits in a cage, wait, wait for it, and then three guinea pigs, one of whom apparently was a male. Uh, because this male went around, he just tried to hump everything. He was, everybody, everything, he was just, and he did not understand, either he didn't speak bunny or he just did not believe that no means no, because it, it was like interspecies, intergender, it was bad. This guy needed some help. I gave him my card. I said, listen. You need to come see me, brother, because you got an issue. But listen, it's like, done, done, pregnant, done, pregnant, done, pregnant. There's no intimacy. There's no pleasure. There's no enjoyment of one another in the animal kingdom. Only to humans has God given the gift of sex and the gift of reproduction, that sex is a time of oneness, that husband and wife are going to come together as one and, and have a child. Reproduction is a, is part of sex and it is part of God's design for sex. Let's keep going. A, acceptance. Listen, too often in our culture, we compare ourselves to other people. Guys, we compare ourselves to other guys. Girls, you compare yourselves to other girls. Wives compare themselves to other wives. It's this massive compare game. I'm not shaped like that. I don't look like that. I don't have that. I don't have those. I'm not this tall. I'm not that tall. I'm not. Listen, 
that is so far away from God's design and purpose for our sexuality. God's design and purpose for our sexuality is that there would be total acceptance between a husband and a wife. Total acceptance. Listen to what he says. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he'd taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. Isn't that wonderful? God said, hey, Adam, this is who I've brought. I've made her special for you. And the Lord brings her to you. Husbands, do you understand that your wife was brought to you by the Lord? And the scripture later says, we are going to present our wives to the Lord, just as Christ is going to present the church. And the question that will be asked of me and of you is, what did you do with the woman I gave you? How did you do? Is she better for being with you? Is she more secure? Is she more confident in who she is as a woman of God? Is she built in Christ? Or have you torn her down? Have you destroyed her? Have you destroyed this beautiful, precious thing that I gave you? And at that point, it will do no good to go, well, she didn't look like, and she didn't do this. And and listen, that has nothing to do with it, guys. And this is one of the big problems with pornography. Pornography sets up men to be disappointed with their wives. You young people, anybody, any of you, you're, when you're viewing pornography, it sets you up to be disappointed with your future spouses. And I know it's an issue for women, too, increasingly so, Right? Listen, it will set you up to be disappointed with your spouse. Nobody, listen, nobody can compete with the images on pornography. Nobody can. Because they're fake. They're fiction. They're, they're totally fiction. It's all fiction. What the people do, what they say, how they act. It's all fiction, dude. It's total garbage. It is not real life. And that's the problem with pornography. One of the many problems with pornography is that it sets us up to be disappointed with our spouses and God says, no, no, no. That that, that is so far away from my purpose for sex. My purpose for sex is that there would be acceptance for one another. We have this crazy fascination in our country with abs. What is the story with abs? Why, Why are we so obsessed with abs? It's like, I, I, I wanna, I want a man, but I don't care about financial integrity. I don't care about his upward mobility in the business world. I don't even care if he loves Jesus. I just want a guy with sweet abs. Because that's what has character. What is that? Why are we, why do we love this? And obviously I'm saying that because I only have one. But listen, <laughs> my one ab is spectacular. And I will not be judged. Listen, and, and guys, we do the same thing. We get, oh, I just need a woman. Stop, stop it. What is that? There's no, that's not character. That's not integrity. That's not what makes someone valuable. Give me a break. That's awful. But we've got the ab roller, the abs exercise, the ab workout, six minute abs and 12 minute abs. And for the really industrious, the two minute abs. I mean, what is that? That is the total opposite of acceptance. That is the opposite. That is the world's view of sex and sexuality and physical appearance. And that is not God's purpose for sex. How are you guys doing? How is it with you? Is your sex is your sex life, whether you are married or unmarried, are you experiencing God's goodness? Do you see it as designed for reproduction? Is there acceptance between the two of you? Listen, um, we've seen some major celebrities go down the drain because of sexual behavior. Major celebrities, major money, major wealth, major power, right down the drain. Most recently, of course, is is, uh, Tiger, Tiger Woods. Uh, If Elon Woods, uh, Elon Woods is a beautiful young lady. I mean, would you agree? I mean, objectively speaking, if if she's not, she can't compete. Wives, I'm telling you this to say this. It has nothing to do with her, does it? Nothing to do with her. It has everything to do with him. 
It's his behavior. And wives, it has nothing to do with you. But I don't look like it has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with him if there's a difficulty. Uh, Brad Pitt hops from woman to woman to woman. Why does he do that? Is he theoretically, objectively beautiful? Because he has an insatiable desire for sexual conquest and power. And he has to have the... If, if Angelina Jolie can't compete, if Elin Woods can't compete with pornography, Jennifer Aniston can't compete, what, what, help, what help do I have to compete? None. Because I can't compete with those guys and, and women. We don't compete with those... Or you, not we. You, you, you don't compete with those women because it's all fake. It's garbage. And if those people are falling, believe me, there's, it's not about you, okay? Listen, uh, sex is designed as a place of acceptance between husband and wife. It says uh, they were na- the man and wife were both naked and had no shame. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Just to be around someone that knows you through and through, that knows you good, bad, and ugly, and still says, I love you and desire to be with you. Isn't that what we all desire? Isn't that glorious? That we would be with someone that knows everything about us. All our faults, all our little idiosyncrasies, everything, and still says, yet I choose to be with you, you big, fat, hairy, balding man. Like, isn't that great? I love that. That's awesome. And, and women, props to you, because you put up with just a lot of big, fat, hairy ugliness. Um, yeah, that's acceptance is key. See, sex is designed to bring about Christ-likeness in us. Here's a big one, guys and women. How is your sexual activity bringing about Christ-likeness in you? Is it? Is your sexual activity bringing about Christ-likeness? Look, in Romans 8, Paul says, in all things, all things, we are to be conformed to the likeness of Christ. So, in, in some of the things we're to be conformed, in some things, what does he say? Say it. All things. So that means just some things, right? No. It means in what things? All things. Does that include sex? Say so. What? Yes, that includes sex. Even in sex, we are to be conformed to the image of His Son. What? That's bizarre. That's weird. That's God's Word. you got an argument with God, then not with me. Listen, in all things, we are to be conformed with the image of His Son. Now, in 1 Corinthians 13, we have that famous verse about love. Love is patient. Love is kind. I would suggest to you this. You want a barometer for how you're doing in your sexual life, in your sexual activity? Put sex in there. Sex is patient. Sex is kind. How you doing? Sex doesn't envy. Sex doesn't boast. Sex is not proud. See, when we put sex in there, there's the barometer. How are you doing, young people? Are you exhibiting self-control? Are you, de- are you delighting in evil or, de- or rejoicing in truth? Are you trusting and hoping or are you just giving in, young people? Non-marrieds, unmarrieds? How about those of you that are in a sexual relationship with your spouse? Is your sex patient? Is it kind? Is your sexual relationship with one another kind? Is there trust and hope? Does it protect? Do you protect your spouse sexually? Listen, you want a barometer for how you're doing with your sexual activity? There it is right there, 1 Corinthians 13. And I say again, unmarried, folks that want to get married, just because you're not in a relationship that God condones sexuality doesn't mean that your sexuality isn't running crazy in your head, does it? How's your thought life? How are you with your boyfriend or girlfriend? 
How do you do in terms of illicit flirtatious relationships with people at work or at school? Gentlemen, what are you looking at? What do your eyes see? What do they follow? How many witty remarks are you making to women in your in your uh, community? I'm just being friendly. No, you're not. You're being flirty. I'm just trying to be funny. Yeah, why? So that you'll get that attractive woman to give you some attention. Why? Listen, how are we doing? Sex shows God's goodness. It's for reproduction. It's to be a place of acceptance between wives. It's to develop, it's to develop Christ-likeness in us. And finally, isn't this great? God designed sex for enjoyment. Ta-da! Isn't that awesome? I love it. I love it. God designed sex for enjoyment. Why? Because He's a good God and He longs to give good gifts. He longs to give good gifts. And yes, surprise, surprise, sex is for enjoyment and He is not bashful about it. It doesn't make God blush. He's not ashamed of the gift of sex. One of the great opening lines in a biblical book is Song of Songs. Kiss me again and again. Let Him kiss me again and again. For His kisses are sweeter than wine. Literally, the Hebrew is let Him smother me with kisses. Smother me with kisses. Do you understand? This is a very sexual book. And it says, I glory in the fact that there is pleasure when man and wife come together. Isn't that excellent? How is it with you? Does your sexual behavior align with God's design? Is it a picture of God's goodness? Is it used uh, with an understanding that it leads to reproduction? Is there acceptance between you and your spouse? Is it developing Christ-likeness in you? Do you understand that God is not ashamed of the enjoyment that sex brings? There's this wonderful verse there that says, uh, our bed is verdant. I love it. That's my new favorite sexual word. It means lively. Our bed is lively. And you can say it like that too. Get that gravelly voice. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. Our bed is verdant. Mm. Isn't that awesome? God designed it that way. God says our bed is lively. And lively meaning it's exciting, it's fun, it's passionate, it's glorious, it's God's design. Now, how are you doing? Listen, goodness, reproduction, acceptance, Christ-likeness, enjoyment. Ladies and gentlemen, how is it with you today? How are your, How is your sexual life? Are there areas in this anagram of grace, of God's design, where you could use some work? Anyone? Are there areas where you could use some work? If so, say so. Anyone? One person. One guy says, yep, I'll, I'll speak out. I could use some growth. Anyone else? Say so. Yes? How about over here? You guys are all quiet, and I know you young people. Come on. Don't lie. How many of you, is there room for you to grow in the area of your sexual behavior? Yes or no? Yeah? Some of you. Good. One guy with courage. I love it. Listen. How about over here? You guys are awful quiet. Air gets sucked out of the room. Oh, he's talking about sex. No, he's going to come talk to me. No, don't talk to me. Listen, how is it with you? How's your sexual behavior? How's your thought life? Is there room to grow over here in this section? If yes, say yes. Good. Oh, wow. we got a good chorus over there. Listen, there's room to grow. And guess what? There's room for me too. There's room for me too. I told you, I'm coming not from a place of superiority, but from a place of brokenness. I understand. This is a process. This takes a long time. But make no mistake, God's purposes for sex are that we would uh, experience His goodness, that we would recognize it's for reproduction, that we would also have total acceptance with our spouse, that we would be developing in Christ-likeness 
and that we would, E, be experiencing enjoyment. Too often, there's sexual behavior that is going on and nobody knows about it. That's one of Satan's great weapons in this arena of sexual sin is that it isolates people. You know why? Because I ain't talking to anybody about about what I do on the computer. I'm not telling her or him about who I'm flirting with or who I might be engaging in a relationship with. It isolates us and that's Satan's great weapon against us. Because Christ left the body. Christ left the body of Christ. He said this is the church. You're to be come together. You're to be confessing sins with one another. You're to be growing with one another. But if we refuse to confess sin to one another, then we're not going to grow. We won't. You'll stay trapped in your sin and you will reap a life of destruction. That's Galatians 6, 7, and 8. Make no mistake, God cannot be mocked. If a man sows to please the sinful nature from that nature, he will reap destruction. It's a fact. Listen, husbands are thinking, not my wife. Wives are thinking, not my husband. No, yeah, you. I'm talking about you. We all got work to do. And if we refuse to acknowledge it, we are heading down a very dangerous path. Listen, many of you have said, yes, there are areas in my life that I need to grow that I need to grow, that I need to become more like Christ. That one usually hits people. That I'm not really exhibiting Christ-likeness to my spouse or in my personal life. And I need to grow there. I need to grow in the area of self-control. We hate that as Americans, don't we? I want what I want when I want it, and I want it right now, and I'm going to roll down my food hole and shove it in. That's how we act. If I don't have the money, I don't care. I'm going to put it on this little plastic card and get it anyway. Because you know who's important? This guy. What I want, when I want, how I want it. Hang it up, sit on it, and pay for it later. And then when I don't have money, I panic. And we end up in a financial crisis. Why? Because we're selfish. Listen, how do we get back to God's design for sex? Would you like to know? If you'd like to know, say so. Would you like to know? You would? Okay, good. There's a lot of you that really want to know how to get back to... It makes me feel better. Okay, listen... I'll give you the ABCs of how do we get back to God's design for sex. 1A, 1B, and about three C's. And I'm going to try and go through quick because I held... held It's the rapture. No, I'm just kidding. I'm still here. This is not working out. All right. Listen. A, application of spiritual principles. Listen, Titus 2, 11 and 12. How many of you uh, have memorized Scripture in the last year? If you've memorized one or two, my son raised his hand. You had to because you, you got in trouble, buddy. All right. Um, if you've memorized the scripture in the last year, uh, good for you. If you haven't, we got a problem. Because I know you've memorized stats of your favorite sports team. I know you've memorized lyrics to song. I know you've memorized random gamer tags like Roosty12411. What? What is that? Monkey Boy, 3911. That's my gamer tag. Okay, I'll find that. We memorize all that stuff. We memorize email addresses that go on forever, but we don't memorize Scripture? Garbage. That's nonsense. If we're not memorizing Scripture, we are disobeying God. He says, hide your word, hide my word in your heart that, I, that you might not what? I'm sorry. Hide my word in your heart that you might not what? Sin against me. That's right. That's not an option. That's something we need to be doing. And if we're not hiding it, we're going to get run over in the world. Listen, you want three to hide? Good. Titus 2, 11 and 12, for the grace of God, which has appeared to all men, teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. Do you think broken sexuality is ungodliness and worldly passions? You think so? It is. Do you think the way the world views sex is ungodly? Yes, it is. 
And Titus 2 is saying we need to learn to say no. That's a process. Okay? Ephesians 5.3, Among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality. How, how are we doing on that one? How's your language at work, at school? How's your language at home? How are the things that you watch on TV? How are the things you watch on Netflix and Blu-ray and on the computer? How are the things going on in your mind? Is there a hint? If we were to blast your thoughts up on screen for, you know, 10 minutes or so, how would you be doing? Is there a hint of sexual immorality about you? If there is, you got room to grow. This is one to memorize. Lastly, 2 Corinthians 10.5, take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I promise you, if you're not taking your th- thoughts captive, they're taking you captive. They're taking you captive. And you're trying to enjoy intimacy with your spouse and your mind's going somewhere else. Or you're trying to pursue godliness and purity at college and high school and your mind's going somewhere else. You walk into a restaurant and, and your mind's going somewhere else to the hostess, to the waitress. You walk into the gym, you go to work out, and your mind's going somewhere else, isn't it? If we're not taking captive those thoughts, they're taking us captive. You want to get back towards God's design for sex? We need to start memorizing and applying scriptural principles. Memorizing and applying. I can memorize this whole daggum thing. You know who's got this book memorized? Guess. Guess who's got this book memorized? Satan. The enemy knows who, and everyone's Satan. Oh God. The enemy. The enemy's got this book memorized. Memorized. How's it with you? Memorized? No? Okay. But look, it doesn't matter that he's got the whole thing memorized because he misapplies it. We saw it when he talked with Jesus. He, st- he tried to throw scripture at Jesus. Remember that? And Jesus is like, I ain't having that. You don't know how to use that book. Listen, you can memorize, but you also have to apply what you've read in there. Listen, how do we shift back to God's design for sex? A, we need to apply, memorize and apply scriptural principles. B, here's a big one, boundaries. Listen, there are areas in your life that you have not set good, appropriate boundaries in and you're getting eaten alive. Uh, parents, raise your hand. If you are a parent of a teenager or a child, raise them high, don't deny your children. I know you want to. You can deny one of them, but you have to accept the other 60%. Okay, good. Many of you are parents and you have kids. Um, If you do not have uh, Internet filters on your computer, on your Xbox, on your Wii, on your PlayStation 3, I can guarantee you your kids will find pornography. All the kids in the room are like, dude, ixnay on the pornography, pay. They're going to give me away. Listen, they're using it. They're looking at it. You want to know my conservative estimate about men who use pornography or look at pornography? Conservatively, I'd say "Mm, 100%. 100% of men, not my husband. Yes, your husband. Not my kids. He's a straight-A student. He gets No, him. I'm talking about him. But he goes to youth group. He's a Christian. Yep, him. Him. That's what I'm talking about. He's using pornography. He's looking at it. No, I'm not. He said he's not. I I believe him. Good. Then put filters on. What do you got to lose? If you do not have filters on your computers, on your phones, on your Xbox, on your Wii, you are playing with fire. And it want, you wander into the category of ignorant. You are ignorant to let a door open for Satan to destroy lives. You know how I got started? A little bit here, a little bit here, a little bit there. And then it snowballed and snowballed and snowballed. You don't, parents, you guys need to become very good at monitoring your computer, putting filters on things. You need to become very good at locking down those things for your kids' sake. 
You know what the best way to do? If it's, I don't understand how to do it. I push buttons and it goes crazy. Good. Take the HDMI cable out. They won't play in regular def. They won't. They're too proud. I'm not putting that coax cable in. I want the HDMI cable. Well, guess what? It's in my purse. And you think they're going to go in your purse and get it? Stuff a bunch of feminine products on top of it. They won't go near it. They won't. It's like that stuff's kryptonite to dudes, fellas. You know what I'm talking about? We're like, oh, we don't understand. What? what? It smells like flowers. Oh, God. <laughs> Listen, we, it, we will. You, you, you want to hide stuff, just bury it under all that. They won't go near it. Listen, my point is you have got to become savvy. You have got to become good for your kids' sake. Not because you're mean. Not because you want to be a disciplined hog. Not because you're a Nazi about what they look at. But because the, the Lord says, hey, discipline your kids and protect your kids. Any of you leave loaded weapons lying around the house? I should hope not. And you'd go, no, why would we do that? That's dangerous. Oh, it's dangerous. You're right, it is dangerous. You know what else is dangerous? Leaving an unprotected internet. Because they have full access to everything. And you say, my kid wouldn't touch that loaded gun. Yes, he would. Yes, he would. And I understand, women, I'm not leaving you ladies out. Internet chatting, internet relationships is on the rise with women. Don't think it's not your daughters. It's your daughters. Not my kid. Yes, your kid. Now, husbands and wives. Wives. Not my husband. Yes, it is. He sits on the church board. He's an elder. Yes, it is. No, it's not. He loves Jesus. He may. He may be struggling. Wives need to crack it down. Gentlemen, you know, you know, you look at me and you're like, gosh, he is giving it all away today. Listen, you know, you're struggling with it because you know how I know? Because you guys sit in my office Monday through Friday. I have men sit in my office, some from this church for sure. Absolutely from this church from churches all around Columbus and they sit and they invariably will have a moment where they just sob because they can't control their addiction. They can't control their sexual thoughts and they are broken and their marriages are falling apart. Don't wait till it gets to that point. Please do something now. Boundaries. You have got to have boundaries when you are at work. Who do you who do you talk with? Who do you flirt with? Well, I don't flirt. I'm a Christian. I'm just friendly. Bull. That is flirting. I'm just no. I'm I'm just trying to love everybody. Mm-mm. You can love people. You don't need to love everybody. <laughs> Women, when you flirt, when you say something suggestive or overly friendly towards a guy, do you know what he thinks? Automatically, he thinks, oh, that's an option. It's not a possibility. That's an option. She is open and available, and I will flirt right back. That is dangerous. Women, you need to be very aware of that. Men, how are you doing when you have women above you in work or below you in work, secretaries, um, receptionists, uh, waitresses, hostesses? How are you doing in that? How are you doing in that area? Do you honor your wife? Do you honor God and how you treat women? I'll give you a hint. Here's when you know you're not honoring. When you don't just notice an attractive woman, you watch the attractive woman. You watch her leave. When you don't just notice an attractive woman, you say something witty or funny or charming (laughs) to that woman. Why? To get her attention. Because the attention of attractive woman feels good. I'm in my 40s and this young 18-year-old Applebee's hostess said, Oh, you're so funny. And that makes me feel so good for like two weeks. That's garbage. 
Gentlemen, you need boundaries. If I'm meeting with a woman, I don't meet with them one-on-one. And if I do, there is a window and it is wide open. I don't care. I'm not meeting with women. I don't do it. I don't have uh, women over to my house if my wife is not there. Heck no. No way. you got to be crazy. Crazy. you got to set up good boundaries for what TV you watch, what music you listen to, what movies you listen to. you got to set it up. If you're not, you're playing with fire. Listen, close your eyes for a second. Think of a pond, like a beautiful pond. It's got like reeds and geese and baby ducks and everybody's happy and there's catfish jumping. Listen, now now picture that's it. That's your pond. That's your sexual pond. Listen, that's how God designed it. But now picture it and now there's like tin cans and tires and junk and scum on the surface and it's all being fed in by this river of scum and nastiness and there's like, you know, dead things floating in the water. Great, that's the pollution. That's sexual pollution. That is how we've deviated from God's norm. What do we need to do with that pond? The first thing is this. We need to clean out the pollution that's in it, right? You got access to stuff, you need to throw it out. You need to cut it out, you need to get rid of it. If there are relationships you need to cut off, you need to cut them off. Delete the phone, delete the... You need to get rid of it. And B, you need to stop the pollution from coming in. Because you can clean it up and it'll come right back in again. You got to stop. That's why boundaries are important. Jesus makes it very clear, hey, if you've got a problem, you need to be very ruthless about getting rid of that problem. You remember this? Your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. Your right hand causes you to sin. Just put it in a pocket? No, cut that bad boy off. Gentlemen, do you suppose it was total coincidence that Jesus said to men, eye and hand, Coincidence? Total coincidence. Or is Jesus deliberate about every word he says? Well, he was just using hyperbole. Mm -hmm. And even in hyperbole, he was extremely specific, wasn't he? I can be more graphic if you'd like. Does anyone need further explanation? All the guys are like, no, no, we get it, we get it. Listen, right hand, right eye, cut it off. What's he saying? Gentlemen, you need to be ruthless in how you tend to your sexual behavior. You understand? Ruthless. We need to cut the pollution off. That's why boundaries are so important. And finally, three C's. Commitment to God's design, communication with your spouse, and confession of struggles. If, if, uh, if you do not have this verse underlined in your Bible, if you do not have this verse posted in your home, you should. Please do. By the end of today. Here it is. Hebrews 13.4. Marriage should be honored by all. Marriage. And the marriage bed kept pure and verdant. For God, mine says that. Does yours not say that? It does seem like I've written that in. Okay. Uh, For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Marriage should be kept pure. Those of you that are not married, you keep marriage pure. That's If that's where you want to go, that's where you're going. And God knows the desire of your heart. You keep pure until marriage. You keep pure in what you put in front of your face and what you put in your ears in what you do with your boyfriend or girlfriend. You keep pure. If you're divorced or widowed or a widower, you keep pure. You keep pure that does not... Oh, I've been married, so it doesn't matter for me. Heck no, it matters for you too. You need to be sexually pure now, just like you were before you were married. God will judge the adulterer. God will judge us. And if we continue in a pattern of sexual sin, we will reap a whirlwind of destruction. Two, communication with your spouse. Wives, raise your hand, please, if... Sometimes you desire more communication with your husband. Raise your hand. 
Raise it high. You guys are all ashamed. Like, <laughs> yes, I know. We're, we're big fat idiots. I know. We're our, now, now, so many of you would like more communication with your husband. Husbands, get ready. Here's your turn. Raise your hand if sometimes you would just like more understanding of what the heck your wife is trying to communicate with you about. Hey, there we are. There's our husband. Now listen, here's, here's, here's simple rules. This is, is in, if it's not in scripture, it should be. Here are two simple rules. One, guys are dumb. Two, girls are weird. This is a fact. This is a fact. Guys are dumb and girls are weird. Got, ladies, we don't understand you. We don't get it. We, you confuse us. It's not what you said. It's how you said it. What? I just, I said, can you get the mail? I don't understand. You confuse us because we're dumb. We don't operate like that. And girls, um, uh, guys, we are dumb. And sometimes they're like, she's like, I just want you to get me flowers. And we're like, what should I do? Did I get her flowers? Like, yes, idiot, get her flowers. She just said. She's like, wrote you a road map. If you love me, you'd get me flowers. And we're like, I don't know what I should do. Maybe I'll buy her a book. No, idiot, get her flowers. Listen. Communication with your spouse is key, guys. Remember one of the purposes of sex? Acceptance. The big O of sex is what? Say it again. Oneness. The big O of sex is oneness. And oneness doesn't just happen in the verdant bedroom. It happens throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the year. Oneness with each other. Communicate. You've got to talk. And you know what? You can talk about your sex life with your spouse. Isn't that wonderful? God's not ashamed. God doesn't. God's like, yeah, beautiful. Talk. Talk to one another. You need to. The most healthy people I've ever met that have healthy sexual lives communicate about their sex life. Isn't that glorious? Wouldn't you love to be able to do that? But we don't because we're all like broken and riddled with shame and guilt and all this weight of our own sin and damage and nonsense that we don't. Listen, you've got to communicate. And finally, confession of struggles. Uh, Guys and girls, men, women, children of all ages, um, many of you have said today, yeah, boy, when I, when I look at grace, goodness, reproduction, acceptance, Christ likeness and enjoyment, boy, I've got some room to grow here. There are areas in my life that need help. The first thing we need to do is be very comfortable confessing sin to one another. We're going to have an opportunity to do that. And if any of you chickens bail out on me, I'm going to find you in the parking lot and slash your tires. I'm just kidding. I'll repent about it. No, I'm kidding. Listen, no, because I know you're not chicken. Confession is amazingly important. God said in James 5.16, confess your sins to one another. You know who's some great people for me? I've got some friends that are wonderful friends that I go to and say, you know what? I'm struggling. I'm struggling in my marriage. I'm struggling with temptation. I'm struggling with uh, whatever it is. And they go, okay, great. Let's pray. We're supposed to do that. God left us to do that. If we're not confessing to our friends, we're just bottling it in. And then what do we end up? Isolated, alone. And that's when Satan's got us. He's like, yeah, awesome. I wouldn't talk about that either because it's pretty embarrassing. I wouldn't tell anyone about that. That's Satan. Oh, I wouldn't confess to her. I wouldn't confess to him. I wouldn't let your spouse know what you're struggling with. Nope. That is Satan. God says, no, confess. And then further, he says in 1 John 1, 9, Therefore, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's cleansing in confession. Confession isn't just, I stink, I did it again. Confession is, Lord, I'm sorry. I need your help. And he says, great, I'm glad you're here. Let me cleanse you. Let me keep working on cleansing you. There's cleansing in confession and we need to be about it. Listen, in a few moments, we're going to have the worship band come up. 
and they're going to play a song, and we're going to have an opportunity. I want you folks to come forward. If you've said, yes, I, I recognize that there are areas in my life that I need to get right before God, we're going to invite you to this morning. Why? Because you don't just need information about sexual purity. You don't. You don't just need information. You need opportunities for transformation. Information you can get all day. There's nothing I said here this morning that shocked you or surprised you. Oh, wow, our culture's going down a sexual toilet. Yeah, no kidding. Nothing in there surprised you, did it? It's not information that we need. It's opportunities for transformation, and that's what we'll have this morning. Before we get there, I want to leave you just a quick slide for some further resources. Look, if you, uh, you know, all of you, that there are areas in our lives that need help. Here are four excellent books. Excellent books. I've read them all. Sacred Sex is the best book out there currently for married couples and folks that want to be married someday. If you haven't read this book, get it and read it. It's outstanding. Timothy Allen Garter, In the Shadows of the Net. You want to know what happens to people that get tied up in pornography? And that means about 80% of you men in this room. You want to see what will happen when you keep dabbling in pornography at work? When your wife's not home? You want to see what happens, young people, when you keep dabbling in pornography, when your folks aren't home, when you get on the Wii or the Xbox or the PlayStation and get to those porn sites when it's like 2 in the morning? You don't think anyone's going to come over? You read this book. This is where you're going to go. This is absolutely where you're going to go. It's Galatians 6, 7, and 8 in action. It's not even a Christian book. Sex and the Supremacy of Christ, glorious book, wonderful book, uh, a bunch of essays and Intimate Allies. Husbands and wives, you need to know how to connect with one another. This is a great start, Intimate Allies. There are myriad books on the topic of sexuality. These are four excellent ones to start. But even before we go there, listen, here's what we're going to do. I know, I know, because I'm not dumb and you're not dumb. I know that most of you in this room have some work to do in the area of sexual brokenness in your life. I know it. Not only do I sit with you during the week in my counseling office, but I pastor a church just like this, and it's the exact same. It's no different. You're not different here in New Albany. We have bigger houses. I mean, you have bigger houses. That's nice. But that's it. Inside, it's the same. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to have an opportunity for you to come forward and do business with the Lord. You understand? A lot of you, a lot of us, have to do business with the Lord regularly, don't we? Here's what I'd like to do over on this side. I know, those of you that said yes, I have room to work on. And even those of you that were too chicken to say yes, doesn't matter. I'm talking to you. You have, you have things you need to work on. There are things you need to confess, things you need to talk to the Lord about. I want you to come over here if you would like someone to pray with you. Ross and the pastoral staff, some of the men and women at this church that are prayer warriors would love to pray with you over here. If you just have business to do with the Lord and you're not ready to get prayer with someone yet, you just want to be alone with the Lord. Would you come over to this side? You understand? Now listen, we're going to stand in a minute. When you, when you start coming forward, the rest, if there are anybody that stays in their seat, that's fine. Don't you dare, don't you dare start to think judgmentally about what's going on with these people up here. Absolutely unacceptable. Remember Jesus told that story. It's the man that went, God have mercy on me, a sinner that went home before God justified that day. Not the Pharisee that stood at the corner and said, I don't have any problems. You understand? Say yes. Okay, good. Everyone stand up, will you? Let's stand up as they begin to play. If you are someone and you know you have business to do with the Lord, will you come down here if you want to pray? If you would like prayer from someone, would you please come over to this side? And all of you that said yes, at the very least, we know that you have business to do. Come forward. Won't you come forward? That's awesome.
Appreciate your courage. Keep coming forward. You guys have business to do with the Lord.